0: the nerds on film i'm brian moriarty and i'm david mcguire some of you may be asking well why are two guys just sitting on uh in computer late on a sunday night talking about movies well i think it's the same reason that any of us would want to talk about movies you know we we find it enjoyable there's a big discussion that comes out of it and i think us being uh grand nerds on uh as far as film is concerned uh at least it'll make for interesting conversation
1: I think I would have to agree with that. Plus, The Sopranos are
0: off the air, so there's nothing good to watch. (laughs) Right. Um, This summer's been a really, really big summer for comic book movies, and uh, there's obviously been some astounding work. The Avengers, it goes without saying, Uh was incredible, and the amazing Spider-Man was also... Amazing. uh, Yeah, lives up to its its adjective. Um, And what better way to talk about, uh, you know... This kind of genre of superhero films, then just after the release of *The Dark Knight Rises*, uh, which was, uh, in my opinion, the the opus magnus of of the, of any Batman film. Uh, the whole trilogy is the final. That's like this is like the final movement in a symphony, almost, mm. for this. Um, and that really begs the question. I feel like, well, first of all, maybe we should take just a minute to say our reactions uh, to the film. I mean, other than just amazing, but.
1: Uh to the Dark Knight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um so you know, it's really hard to see a movie that has so much hype and not have all this expectation going into it and you feel like, is it gonna get met, or the you know, will there be a nice closure to everything? Will I feel satisfied? And going into that, I had a lot of hesitation and a lot of you know because I everyone had talked about it because I didn't go to the opening night. Obviously, there was a
0: lot of there was a lot of reviews. It's really
1: were... hard not to read the reviews because everybody's exactly. reviews was like spoiler alert, spoiler alert. And so, going into it, you have this kind of half and half expectation. Having seen the film, I do think that it lives up to those expectations. I feel like the fact that it said. That it was an epic conclusion. It definitely had everything on a grander scale. The stakes were far higher. Um, the characters' wrap up was very satisfying and befitting of one's trilogy. Let's make sure that that gets cleared. That yeah, you know that it needs to say that with a one's universe, every and, character right. got their got their nice wrap up and everybody felt satisfied.
0: And this, was in a way, was almost like a kind of a do over because this is the second film to bear the DC Entertainment. Um, logo on it the first being last summer's Green Lantern and I feel like so they're um,
1: their own movie studio now right? yeah
0: they're now with they're now a full scale production company I wouldn't say they're their own studio because they're not still like a Marvel. Subs- no they're still a subsidiary of uh, Time Warner and oh, Warner right. Brothers still handles all their distribution and a lot of their decision making uh that's a great opportunity to uh actually bring in another fellow uh Batman nerd and actually another fellow just comic book aficionado in general. Uh um. Bamf
2: like Nightcrawler I appear. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: to my left is Robert. Um Hello. Uh Robert Kinsella. And uh tell us a little bit about yourself and what your rich nature is with with this kind of films and with comics. Uh
2: yeah. Um I think like Everybody else here in the room, I, um, I grew up with a steady diet of the uh, 90s X-Men cartoon, which uh, kind of set me down on a path of, of comic books. Um, pretty early on, I became obsessed with characters like Wolverine and, and Venom, and um, uh, quick side note, I'm an immigrant, but when I moved to the United States, I was introduced to a lot of darker characters like uh, Spawn and, and things mm. from Image Comics. And um, it was kind of through that that I, I slowly landed on things like uh, Batman. I was always aware of Batman in my life, mm-hmm. um, the Tim Burton films and things like that, but uh, I really didn't start paying attention to him until I got a little bit older, into my pre-teens, and started looking for that uh, that darker edge right, out of my yeah. superheroes, and, um, and that's when I really started falling in love with, uh, with Batman. Um, and then Jim Lee drew him, and that changed my life forever. Uh, Hush, specifically, in the long Halloween, reading those books, just... Blew my mind open.
0: He mentioned Dark Victory and Dark Halloween, but those are really important because those were storylines that were the basis for plot lines yeah, in the like Nolan films.
2: And, uh, Long Halloween, specifically in Batman, begins, and a little bit in The Dark Knight. You can yeah. see a lot of the threads of Long Halloween is in there.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. And I think also, uh, without getting into too much detail about spoiling the movie, but there's definitely elements of other big character arcs like Nightfall uh, in, yeah. um, in The Dark Knight Rises as well as... Um, Uh, almost a little touch of No Man's Land. Yep, No Man's Land, definitely. Minus the... No Man's Land, for those who are not out there, was a year-long story arc in DC Comics when there was this massive earthquake that took place in Gotham City, and the government um, sealed off the city and basically said, you're on your own, turning Gotham into a No Man's Land. Like, it was... They actually... Congress acted to secede it from the Union. It was this one little dot where it was not governed by anybody. So you basically had Batman and Commissioner Gordon... And, and the Bat family at that point uh, like defending the city from Arkham criminals who had gotten free and were running amok so there's there's definitely traces of that in yep. The Dark Knight Rises without going too campy with it okay. that's all I'm going to say I that's, don't wanna that's get, good that yeah, think we that's to wet the appetite for people who have <laughs> <yet> to, <laughs> it's still not seen it and be if be
1: you have seen it for the first time already most definitely go for a second time, as Brian will probably tell you. It's uh, it's better on the palate the second time.
0: I was much better on the palate the second time. I, I walked out the first time feeling very content, mm-hmm. and then I kept, walked out the second time giddy as shit.
1: It's true. He had this shit-eating grin on his face from ear to ear. It was quite... I did. I did. One uh, that
0: would make the Joker go, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> I uh,
1: I was actually when I saw it in IMAX. Like the
2: I drove out to Dublin to see it on the IMAX, and I actually um I got really sugar low and really anxious during the movie. I was all my expectations were right there before my eyes, and um, particularly the, the first conflict with Batman and Bane, um, all cylinders were firing on full, and I was just sitting there tapping my leg and biting my nails. I have no skin <laughs> left on my fingertips after watching let's, that scene. I
1: think we should take that. So, did you think that when that first confrontation happens, and if anyone hasn't seen it yet, please turn this off, because we may spoil something, so I apologize. Yeah, so come back in like uh, three minutes. Yeah, you yourself, uh, We're going to yeah. have a little tangent. Yeah. Um, did you find that like really surprising that it was so quick? Like it was almost nearly maybe halfway through the film, all of a sudden the two of them are duking it out. Like there's not even a score underneath it; yeah. it's just them and the running water, and everybody's just watching. And like, and then for me, it felt like, what it, is this? It like it's gonna happen. Right, like, right. And like the moment like it happens where the the back goes, I was like, so what's gonna happen next? And like, so the next half of the film is of course the rising part. But.
0: Yeah. I, I, it was so funny watching it because David and I are, are best friends. We've we've go to movies together all the time, but literally watching his jaw drop halfway to the floor when that moment happened was yeah. to me just incredibly satisfying. Just as a friend to watch that, I think people go to movies and you know you. You go and you go partly for the story, but you also partly go to see what, how your friends react. Right. Certain yes. <laughs> moments in the movie. You're kind of like looking, and then you kind of slowly your eyes creep over to the left. Me and my you're
2: buddies right. did that too. Because yeah. as soon as it, it, the iconic moment in that fight happened, all three of us went, oh, in the middle of the theater, and we had to kind of silence ourselves a little bit. Because yeah, because it's a really it like.
1: Because of where it is placed in the film, in conjunction with like where the story's taking it, you're just like, I don't quite know yeah. where you're going to go now. Because. You've kind of done what everyone has expected you to do already and right now you have to really uh, really kind of play it up but yeah it was a that that first fight scene at first i felt very like man this is kind of awkwardly placed. but then as it kept happening it was like this is probably the most epic of like hand like fist to cuffs kind of fight i've seen put on film and in, yeah. in, pretty much in any like comic book yeah. movie
0: you know it definitely uh, had some intense moments and very also very reminiscent of the other films as well um, actually, I kind of thought it was interesting how Bane's fighting style was very... It mimicked Batman's mm-hmm. a lot, and you could tell that um, Like, there was that very nice little subtle layer that, okay, these guys both come from the same... They're cut from the same thread. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: you know what uh, really did me in during that scene? Actually, it was uh, I think it was one of the few times, or one of the couple of times where Batman went down on the ground, and there was a quick part where he got up and kind of resumed his stance and just let out this... Ugh! And you really, really felt like the stress and the abuse he was going through in that moment, Because especially when you compare it with the other two movies, Batman was always really in control because he's never really had a physical threat before. Even with the Joker, you know, he got tore up by the dogs a little bit in The Dark Knight, but he was never really pushed to his limits. Mm-hmm. And in this, you, like you said, it happens so quick. Within a few minutes, he's pummeled, like pummeled to a right. pulp.
0: And also, you know, it's important that... And for those who don't know, just to set the tone, and it's kind of hinted at in the trailers too, that this is not the Batman that we know of from The Dark Knight because it's been eight years mm-hmm. since then. So he's, he's been kind of out of practice. He's still kind of rusty. Mm-hmm. And even though some of the training he's had will always kind of snap in and play you no, know, he's up against a dude who's still in his peak. and Right. Uh, you know, it's...
2: What was it Bane said when he, he said something like, you fight like a young man? Yeah. something like that yeah, yeah. that was uh, that was really cool Like, cool.
0: right um, and God, this is all such good energy and I think this is even this is a good point for tonight's topic which mm-hmm. is in light of uh, some spectacular comic book work particularly the Avengers I mean the Avengers got ma- amazing reviews this summer I don't think there's anybody out there that I know that didn't like the Avengers uh, yeah they also people... made
1: like 200 million dollars in the first three days It made 200 million
0: dollars out at the gate because they did an international release so it was like yeah mm-hmm. um, they opened in profit. It was unbelievable. Like, yeah. Well, they set
1: themselves <laughs> up that way. Because it's like, they've been, since Iron Man going forward, they were 100% like, by the way, it's coming, it's yeah. coming, it's coming. So you had like a good two, three years of just like, oh, when's it going to happen? Yeah. And then it finally shows up, and it's like opening up that great Christmas gift on, on Christmas Day. You're like, ah, oh, it's not a sweater.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, with that, that begs the question, there's been a lot of buzz in fandom about um, a Justice League movie. And the we are of a varied opinions in this room, but uh, and I think that's why we we are all called together here. But there you is a say discussion that of, assembled? Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Assembled. Gathered. Justice League gathered. Yeah. <laughs> Justice League present. Justice League present. Is everyone present? Uh, yes. No, we're waiting for Aquaman oh man uh, he's treading water somewhere <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so that really begs the question Marvel I thought did what DC should have done years ago which is they had four setup up films really, I guess four or five uh, uh, five. Uh, five if five you count Iron Man 2 yeah, it becomes a five they had se- several set up movies just to get you to the Avengers Yep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I felt like that was kind of one of the flaws with the original X-Men movie, too, is as much as when you're dealing with a team superhero film, yeah. uh, from a film perspective, you really need time to develop each character and give them a, real, a solid foundation to build a story upon. And as much as I love Brian Singer as a director and I love that movie, I felt like that was the thing that was rushed about the movie is that you kind of have to know two, two things about these characters and then it just moves forward. Right. Um, and Marvel's brilliance in overseeing it and seeing that their each character, main characters, got their own film, I think it would have was the only way that could have been yeah, that movie agreed. could have worked. And there's now been the talk about well, is DC gonna follow suit? Is it gonna do? Are they gonna do the same thing? Uh, are they going to? And is it? But how original can it be at this point?
1: Yeah, it, it. And you may have a separate opinion, guys, but I I feel like if they do it, it's because. It's almost like that South Park episode where someone's going to be like, Simpsons did it, it's going to be like, Marvel did it, you know? But I think, I think there's a, a good chunk of people who would love to see that progression and see DC right. finally do it. I think the question is, is do we want to see those individual movies again? Because if they're going to do the whole Justice League path, right, they're going to have to reboot Batman because no one's not going to... Yeah, yeah, there you
0: know. is no way. That, well, no one even said in interviews that he would not... right. But there's just no way after this movie that they could have Batman continue in that universe. Right. Exactly. Those movies
2: have to exist on their own. That they, they can't be a part of the pie, the greater pie that that Warner Brothers may want to build. Um, much, I, I would, I would even liken it to like something like The Dark Knight Returns from uh, the '80s, that Frank Miller book, where it's Batman's 50, 60 years old. It's one of the most iconic Batman stories ever told, but it's generally considered. I don't want to say not canon. It's just this it's, kind of off story. It's off-kilter very much this story. apocryphal story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it's just a great Batman tale. Here's what I'll say about the Justice League. Um, with, with the Marvel movies, I remember when Iron Man was first announced. And, and it, with me, with, the, with comic book movies at that time, I was really like, man, you know, Iron Man's cool, but we're really dipping into, like, I hate to say it, but the B-list characters at this point. Like, we've already had X-Men, we've already had Spider-Man. Batman I think had started at that point point. Mm-hmm. and I, had, I didn't want to say a lack of faith but I was like well how cool is Iron Man going to be I mean he's got the Mandarin how many villains does he actually have and <laughs> right. truth be told it was, it was Robert Downey Jr. Like, he made that character accessible to so many people outside of comic book nerds yeah. and that foundation really, really supported characters like Captain America and Thor who I think without an Iron Man movie those two movies by themselves probably would have had a hard time existing agreed And then you look at Justice League, it's like, all right, well, we're really an Aquaman movie and a cyborg movie? Like, how well could those really do on their own? And then you think about, well, what if they just skipped them and did a team-based movie?
0: Well, you can't just introduce Aquaman in the background and be like, you can't suspend this league. You'd be like, what's this guy doing here, you know? And at the same time, there's also, you know, you can break down the league into primary and secondary characters, you know? where like I mean, just like in the Avengers where you had to, they found ways to work in Hawkeye and and, um, Black Widow. Into side films like Thor and Iron Man Two, you could almost work Cyborg. And I, I don't really—I think Cyborg to me still screams Teen Titans. I know he's been a member of the league as of late because the New Justice League from the New Fifty Two. One of, now I think we're on reboot number three for yeah. uh, for DC. DC I I um,
2: actually saw a DC panel at Comic Con, and oddly enough, Jeff Johns spoke very highly of Cyborg. He actually mentioned that's one of his favorite characters, which. I had am I'm. I'm very much like you. I'm like Teen Titans. Cyborg. Yeah. He's kind of a weird character, but for those who don't know, love him. <laughs>
0: Cyborg. Uh, the character Victor Stone is kind of like literally the DC version of RoboCop. He is yeah. a, um, He is a. Is an. Afri- he's also an African American superhero. So he's a. And he's a badass too. So he's this yeah. average dude who got into some a major accident, and the only way that they could save him was to replace pretty much his entire body. Right. With a uh, with a robotic one, hmm. um, but he's still got part of his face, and he still got all of the memories and all of the personality of Victor Stone. Um, so, uh, and he's become more recently involved with the Justice League. but For a while, he was a member of the Teen Titans, which right. was. And when you guys say
1: that they're rebooting, or like they're in the, you said three, the third reboot. Yeah. yeah. So because <laughs> so I heard, I heard somewhere that they're trying to like make it younger. Right. Was that yeah. was that is that, is they, that still true they did or? some
2: adjusting. So Victor Stone is an example of aging up. I think they took him and they they, they brought him up to like the Superman Batman age. But that being said, they also brought Superman and Batman down I feel like probably mid thirties now, just by kind of cruising through the comic books.
0: Whereas I think pre reboot they really felt like they were kinda of getting into mid forties. Getting back to to Justice League and uh, talking about um you know, all this mess of, well, how do we get these characters... How would you get these characters even established? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also been talk about Man of Steel coming next summer mm-hmm. as the potential h- hope for creating, like, a DC cinematic universe. But no one's even said that, no, the Superman exists in his own universe as well. I don't know yeah. if that's true or not, but... Meaning that
1: this Man of Steel movie that's
0: coming out... It's self-contained. is self-contained. Okay, yeah. It's, it's also going it, self-contained. Does it
1: coexist with his... No. Uh, Gotham? or no, no, according
0: to him, his visions of the Dark Knight and the Man of Steel, um, are they exist in separate universes. only—they okay. the only, In their worlds, they are the only superhero that is known to existence, basically. Okay. Right. So, so
1: basically then, if they were to do it... They, they have to could reboot d- they have to re- Well, maybe they could do this as a... I mean, if you think about it, like Batman's origin story and Superman's origin story mm-hmm. are almost... Like, Unless you live under a rock and have no idea what pop culture is, like, those two are pretty well known. like with Iron Man and Thor and all those ones like those are like as you said they're kind of like B characters within that universe and so they kind of had to give you like this this is who that person is because you want to do this bigger goal with Batman and Superman, it's like you mentioned Batman. And they're like, "Oh yeah, his parents died by who? I don't know, Joker." Or you have like someone else that goes like some random die- like some random right. guy. Like, right. there's two separate origins, but you kind of get the basis. And it's like you mentioned Superman. They're like, "Oh yeah, pla-
0: planet blew up. <laughs> very very, very exactly. sad." Everyone knows at least <laughs> on a very very basic level, right? right. Enough to
1: make a Justice yeah. League movie and for you to be like, "I know who that is." Yeah, and I
0: think and that begs the question, like, even with like the Amazing Spider Man you know, uh, coming out recently. Do origin stories really need to re- be retold? Uh, because, you know, they're almost now, superheroes, I'm of the mm-hmm. mindset, superheroes are our modern day mythology. And it's almost just like the Greeks, the Greeks all knew the stories of Hercules, and you know, of, uh, was Perseus from the Clash of the Titans? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yeah. They all knew those stories. Like, they were those were told to them as children. We all know why Batman's Batman at this point. We all know why Superman has the ability to fly and can, you know, heat things up with his eyes. All these, uh, which I've always thought was be kind of interesting. Like, what are we going to do for breakfast? Eggs. All <laughs> <Awesome>. right. <laughs> Man, um, my
1: coffee's cold. Not anymore. <laughs> and then the glass,
0: the mug explodes. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, Got to work on that.
1: Um, so. <laughs>
0: I,
2: I just, the more I think about it, like, have you guys? You've all seen the Superman teaser trailer at this point. Yeah, we've well? seen it at this point. We yeah. saw the one that had Russell Crowe's okay voiceover. Have you watched the other one? No. The, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both. I think they're both really good voiceovers. Yeah, yeah. as a trailer,
1: they're, they're they're really like the music in it. I think makes that trailer.
2: Yeah. yeah. Lord of the Rings, is it?
1: Is yeah. Lord of the
2: Rings? They uh, they don't have any composed soundtrack yet, so they have been using other tracks to, to kind of come it out. But <gasps> oh, it's a great choice. It's brilliant. Yeah, Pick it one, is one of the greatest great movies of the last twenty it. years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um. But uh, it's, it seems very, um, it's coming across very stylistic, and I, I'm basing that off like 30 seconds right. of, of footage. Um, and I actually, I, I, really enjoy Zack Snyder. I haven't seen um, Sucker Punch yet, and I know a lot of my friends weren't really bought into the movie. But uh, I, I really liked Watchmen. I, I really liked 300. So mm-hmm. I, I think he could pull off a really, really great Superman movie. I think it could look and feel really cool and different. And, but for Justice League, like, what, what's Wonder Woman going to show up in an after-credits scene with, with Nick Fury and say
0: we're putting together a team? Like, what's that going to look like, you know? Right, right, And Wonder Woman has been so hard because they've been trying to make a Wonder Woman movie for... And or TV show. Yeah, for, for 20 years at least at this point. Um, and they've tried and failed. They've even gotten really close to make a teaser poster like an official teaser poster for the movie right? which right. was really just marketing like there was nothing behind wasn't it wasn't
1: Sandra Bullock attached to it at one point I uh, remember that at one point as... or
0: another Sandra Bullock oh, when she was in her prime she would have been like the ideal or maybe the, yeah, the, right. the, the, the ideal Wonder Woman I kind of think they have to go with an unknown uh, at this point I um, agree if, if, just like the reason why you cast unknowns I mean Christian Bale wasn't really super well known when he became Batman and I think that worked to his benefit Chris Hemsworth. Chris yeah. Hemsworth was not really well known. He had done Star Trek. That was about his major, his biggest work at that point. Um, when you cast an unknown, uh, I think as Bryan Singer puts it, it helps you, the character step out of your collective consciousness and mm-hmm. it helps you, mm-hmm. you, you imagine the character more. I think the same is true with Henry, Henry Cable, though he's no ever known very well from the Tudors and from uh, the more recent The Immortals movie. To me, I saw him 10 years ago in the County of Monte Cristo, and I thought, this guy looks just like Superman. And uh, that's wow. the, the, the nerd in me, uh, the, the yeah. rampant nerd in me, thinking that... So,
1: but I have to ask, yeah. is there ever a point in Superman's lore that he, like, walks away from Metropolis and becomes a crab fisherman?
2: <laughs> oh, oh, man. Um, yeah, actually, an is incredible it? book. Uh, it, it came out in, like, the last, uh, I think this decade. It's called Superman Birthright. And it's basically about him uh, traveling himself, the earth yeah. and finding himself uh, yeah. kind of in between uh, okay. after college, before Daily uh, Daily Planet. Um, and it's really cool. And uh, there's nods to uh, his mentality. I, I remember a specific chapter where he goes to um, a country in Africa and he's watching this tribe do a ceremonial dance where they're all wearing masks. And uh, he's asking them what's up with the masks. And the chieftain explains the philosophy behind wearing a mask to instill fear in your enemies. And it's kind of a little nod to Batman and, and kind of Clark has a reaction to it right then and there when he's like, I don't believe in that. People should see who I am. And it's kind of a cool little,
0: nice. you see the fork in the road between him yeah. and Batman. And that's mentioned you've written it because there is a, there was a series in the, it was a late 80s joint and just called Legends of the Dark Knight, which talked about origin stories about Batman. And there is one about him also on his quest, very much in the Mythic Hero yeah. part of him figuring out who he is. Uh there is a bit where he had, encounters a bat travel mask in in Africa, and that part is what. Insp- and there's a mythical story about the bat, yeah. how he grew wings, was because he was helping a friend, and he was, mm-hmm. um, like, I think trying to flap away sickness or something was what it was. Um, and uh, this, there's an exact parallel there, and I, and, and that speaks well it's so great to the continuity yeah. of those those writers and the, those universes. But it's still you know there's this big challenge like. Again, like, you have major characters, and how do you introduce them in a way that, that is true to the character, the spirit of the character, right. and doesn't, like, alienate, um, you know, the average audience either?
1: I think what works well for Marvel is that, in one way or another, superpower or not, the Marvel characters that made up the Avengers, they somehow were able to ground them in, in, in a reality sense— You know, Iron Man was like, oh, I got this millions and millions of dollars. I'm just going to build a suit because it's based off the thing that's keeping me alive. You know, Thor, even in the Thor movie with his, you know, grand mythological kind of, like, powers, he still was very well grounded into the the realm of Earth and, like, trying to become human. And, And I think with, you could probably get away with that with, like, the Batman characters, which Nolan has shown you can do. And with Superman, you can do that too because it's a man trying to fit in and so on and so. I mean, there's a lot of different para- like stories you could go down. Right. When you get into things like Aquaman or like you know Wonder Woman, it it, it I, just saying those names brings a lot of um, preconceived notions about who those characters are and like, well, how can we really make those grounded? Right. And yet still stay true to their, right. to, their to their mythos.
0: And yeah, exactly, and what that comes down to is, quite simply, style. Right? You know, I mean, when you think of Josh Whedon you should just write all of them. <laughs> you know, he, just, he just works for both sides, um, because there's so much whimsy that's involved with One Woman, and the more. And even to the to like Green Lantern, you know, has this ring that is presumably right. the most powerful weapon in the universe, and yet somehow is he finds weakened. foes
1: that <laughs> like <laughs> exactly.
0: still beat him, and he is somehow yeah. weakened by the color yellow, um, which we all know now is the embodiment of fear. But nevertheless, that was the, it was, there was that was never specified in, when it was originally created, um, and I think what you have to what it has to go back to is pretty much what we've been saying this whole time is it has to go back to really what's the essence of that character you know? Yeah. Batman is a character who's trying to let go but can't Mm -hmm. and and that's what's driving him to seek justice. Superman is this guy who's constantly struggling with who he is and what he's meant to be doing and his choice over is he going to rule over these people and create peace or is he going to just help out where he can and accept that he can't be everywhere at once um and i think that's why that character's still relevant you know mm-hmm. it's, he's not just the boy scout he has this this big moral dilemma that he has wonder woman like how like she was created out of the sense of giving you know women a a, a role model at a mm-hmm. time where there were no women superheroes. Right. And, like, how is that? And even that was loose back then, the way they treated very, her character. Very much so, cause She was, she was, I mean, by today's standards, everyone would be like, wow, this is just a... It's terrible. But the same is, thing for all those characters back then. Right. She's literally a, an illustrated sexual harassment suit yeah, <laughs> uh, um, waiting to happen. But, um, I mean, who she is,
2: The the trouble with a character like that is... And I'll actually say this about Aquaman. Um, in the new DC reboot, reboot, I actually read the first issue of Aquaman. I got my hands on a free copy of it down at Comic-Con. And they had to give away for free. <laughs> I, I'll say this. I was, I was actually shocked. Um, it was really good. Jeff um, Johns is writing it, which if you know comic books, he, uh, he basically gave rebirth to Green Lantern, which the last, I would say, five or six years of Green Lantern books, in my opinion, have been some of the best comic books out there. But he acknowledges it. It's actually very tongue-in-cheek. Uh, Aquaman is walking around town and he, he stops into this restaurant to get some fish and chips. And everybody's like, how can you eat the fish? Don't you communicate with them? Are you a cannibal or something like that? And Aquaman's getting very frustrated by the scenario going, I can eat fish. They don't understand why I'm trying to communicate with them telepathically. You're an idiot. <laughs> uh, but the thing about like that redefinition of characters for me, it's happening now that I'm in my late 20s. So Wonder Woman is actually kick-ass now. She's this badass Amazon with swords and she's tearing it up. But my only reference point uh, prior to this reboot was things like the Super Friends. I wasn't reading her comic books, so all I knew was... Is she like a female version of Superman, is she kind of like a lady Captain America, what's her deal? And The same thing with Aquaman, he's the guy that talks to fish and I don't want to undermine those great comic book characters because they matter to a lot of people but to me at least. That's something like Marvel did really well is that they added um, a human element to it. Like For me Iron Man was that I related to it on an issue of pride, I've been in a situation where I was so prideful I thought I was right and then have the whole world come crashing down around me. Uh, Thor, who hasn't had parental issues where they, they thought their dad was wrong, right? Even if it was very small for a lot of people, for me, those were my access points. Mm-hmm. Right, Captain America... Actually, my favorite scene in Captain America was uh, when he actually woke up in modern-day New York with the score swelling, and he's looking around, and that, to me, hit home. I was like, oh,
0: fish out of water. What's it like to wake up in a world that you don't know? Mm-hmm. Right. Which, in a way, actually... It's funny you mentioned how is one woman the, the female Captain America. In a way, she kind of is, because she is the fish out of water. She's in... She was in a world that was... You know, with Emaskira, Paradise Island, is just this one island that has not touched modern civilization yeah. whatsoever. And she's a princess on this island. And what is that like when she comes to a modern world where, you know, thousands of years of technology have, you know, yeah. replaced gods. And yet she herself is the last remnant of that of that mindset. Right, and, right. And there's, I mean, there's a lot you can go with it. But and then maybe this just me not knowing enough about the character. But I kind of feel like that's what's been missing. Is like what is yeah. her what's her arc? Is she is she still trying to fit in? Is she you know trying well, to find her place? Our okay. mutual friend Ashley gave me some books, um,
2: some classic books. Uh, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering the the artist name. I think it's George Perez, and it actually deals with a lot of her origin. And there is there is some great stuff in there. Like when she comes to America, she ends up becoming a poster child, almost for uh, strong, independent women. And she's she's living it up for a while. She's like, oh, this is really cool. I feel like I'm doing something for women everywhere. And then she slowly comes to realize that she's actually being abused. Her image is being used um, in the media, and she kind of goes to this. Uh, well, forget you guys. I'm a warrior. I can kick ass. I'm not here to put on lipstick and go on TV. And those were great books. And sadly, I didn't discover them until my my later adulthood. But
1: see, if they made that, and if they made that movie, that would be interesting to see because. Right. That's, I think that's a really hot topic still is, you know, you know, feminine rights and their place within society. Like, it's growing, but it's also there's still all those people who are still being held down because of, you know, certain social norms, etc., etc., etc. So if you had somebody that was like that, that where they were being objectified and then they were like, well, you know what, screw that. I'm going to go and be the person who I am and I'm going to go kick some major ass. Right, that's fantastic. Right. And then, then the next question becomes is like who does she fight like I don't I, I know nothing about Wonder Woman so yeah like, her character who's, her, who's, her, who's her her villains? Villains really
0: aren't like that great like she has she had Hades she had literally Hades oh, not, of War hey, but, uh, Ares sorry, sorry Ares. Hades got a at
2: Ares and he looks awesome in those classic books he's like a giant blue hell spawn knight Satan creature with axes and swords and evil red eyes but oh, again awesome.
0: yeah she's literally fighting the embodiment of war So right, that's right. you know crazy
1: um, oh, that could totally be spun into a movie now. Like, yeah, right, absolutely. But most yeah. people probably think about the cheetah, <laughs>
2: like a woman, like a
1: woman in a leopard print
2: suit, and that's or... all she really is. Like, there's
1: nothing special about her. Maybe they she... can lend Anne Hathaway yeah. to play that part. Well, she's like
0: a well. That's actually funny because she literally is like a second-rate Catwoman. Even, but not even Catwoman at least still has the allure of being a cat thief and that she somehow. Yeah. Batman is still somehow oddly attracted to her even though she kind of walks Well, if it looks like Anne
1: Hathaway, who wouldn't be? I mean... Exactly. I don't think
0: there's a straight man in
2: America who... uh... Side note, I was actually shocked. Um, I I don't want to say I had uh, low expectations. I was a little weirded out about bringing the character of Catwoman into reality. Um, And like I would look at it and go, oh, she looks really cool, but then I saw the high heels and I was like... Logistically, how does that work? Just really run around on rooftops with her high heels? But then in the movie, I thought it was really, it, it wasn't overstated. She only used it, I think, in like one or two scenes. Yeah, and, and they, they even mentioned it too. Right. Do you, how do you walk in those heels, <laughs> you know? And she's a complete, uh, she's she's a smart ass. I really like it. She's a very
0: rebellious tone mm-hmm. to her. And
2: I yeah. really, really enjoyed her character in the movie.
0: Uh, my favorite moment of hers was when they said, we can protect you, and she just gives this really long eye yeah. roll. Yeah, yeah. It just yeah. Gordon-Levitt, and I thought that was like, that is so Catwoman, that's she's just gorgeous. gorgeous.
2: I think uh, probably one of my favorite moments of that entire movie was uh, you know again if you haven't seen it yet spoiler alert but when she's going to get her payout for trading off the material and then the, the cops burst in and she's on the ground going
1: oh my god help me help me
2: her switch in that moment was so good I was we all started laughing and it was so good a lot of humor to her
1: and she definitely has like that air to her like and I think a lot because like when Christopher Nolan was doing an interview about her I was like well maybe he's being a little like talking her up just to like everyone had these expectations like oh she can't really be possibly that good you know and like she really lives up to like she really she really embodies the character she's very she's very strong at no point do I feel like she's a weak woman in a suit like she yeah like I mean like she almost steals the bat pod and like leaves Batman high and dry and it's like fuck yeah I would too like look at you (laughs) yeah yeah and actually a real uh nod to uh
2: some of the more alternative takes on Catwoman, living in the ghetto. Right, with I kind was of thinking her, the same thing. Her yeah. young her young sidekick. Um sans the the prostitution aspect that Frank Miller latched onto in some of his books. But still yeah. really cool nod to that eighties, she's living in the dirt, she's really down there, um, but she's got this wonderful, almost uh, bizarre like home filled yeah. with all these goodies, all yeah, that yeah, stuff. It, looks, that she's it looks it
0: looks very uh very like well-to-do inside this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I thought I thought that exactly when I saw like the fine rugs. And I think rosa. even a
1: little bit of a nod to Tim Burton's Batman and Batman Returns when they were doing the dance party scene,
0: and a like bit. a little bit
1: of like that whisper in the ear of like you know uh, of of revealing who each other are without yeah. actually saying it, but also you know more or less speaking the subtext of what they were trying to do, and it's just really reminiscent of that one scene prior. You know, of course, yeah. this didn't have a penguin Definitely. popping up
0: with a giant ducky yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, insert penguin here <laughs> uh, we have an entire episode on the mistakes made in the previous incarnations of batman i think another big challenge that these characters have to deal with is especially when you're dealing with a team movie just and i feel like the avengers kind of ripped it off in a way was i remember the first issue of justice league of america in like the 1950s or 60s and it was the one reason why these characters even if you did do the intro movies and you did get them correct they're united by a force that is greater than the, what they can beat on their own. Mm-hmm. Right? That's like what has to draw these heroes right. together. And it, there was Starro, which is the famous <laughs> name. It, it was that it was the peak of the 50s and 60s where they were just doing cheesy stuff left and right. It literally was like the starfish villain. Yep.
2: A giant starfish.
0: Um, and Superman couldn't beat it for some reason. I think has it farted kryptonite or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> something about the giant something. starfish. He couldn't exactly. exactly. <laughs> punch it in the face. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and where like all the characters needed to team up, and it was only their combined efforts that could actually beat this, thus forming the league. Right. And they've even used it as similar take on it, um, in the Justice League animated series, too, mm-hmm. um, is you have to have a threat that, 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 that brings them together, and yet the Avengers just did that with, uh, they didn't say they were alien, but they might as well have been aliens in that movie, that, these giant alien, what, whales that were flying around with armor, and... Well, I mean, weren't those ships? Those yeah, they were, were living things. kind of Living creature, They were creatures ships. that had armor around yeah.
1: them. Oh, holy... Crap. Yeah, I mean, you didn't they, notice that like, there were giant space it was, like, I just okay, thought you know that I just thought it was a yeah. That's a why the ship. whole there
0: was the whole Jonah and the whale reference is because right. they were walking. it was basically these giant flying whales. Space whales. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know
2: that the original the Avengers too. I mean, a testament to how they played ball back and forth, both companies. I mean, Avengers. Their actual origin story is heavily embedded in that movie. Uh, Loki comes to Earth. I think he brought the scrolls with him in one of the original comic books. And yeah, we didn't get the scrolls in the Avengers, but we got the ultimate version of the scrolls, the Chitari, So. I thought they stuck pretty heavily to the roots of what they were going for with the Avengers, um, but whether it's a giant star or green shape-shifting aliens, uh, some giant force that brought them together. Yeah, and I feel
1: like I feel like you, like I don't know. It feels like with DC, like like I said before, like there's this like continuity as far as the character because it all came from one person's mind, right? Stanley like just birthed all of these things. He was like, "Hey, wouldn't it be great if somebody did this?" And someone was like, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll draw that up for you." With DC, it's it's more scattered. Like there, there are moments that they're all kind of like mentioned to have some sort yeah. of a handshake to each other, but they're more or less just yeah underneath the name of DC and like they're all in their separate universes. Right. Well, and that
0: actually really speaks to the two different origins of those companies. You know, Marvel was really more or less one company and they had different titles like amazing fantasy and there was actually was the marvel comics from the 1940s but you're right like stan lee was the brainchild of all those characters that we know and love today with Mm -hmm. the exception of captain america yeah they carried him over they carried him over he re-envisioned him he was the one who was responsible for bringing him out of being in frozen stasis but he was he's the only major character whose remains i think him and submariner actually i think yeah, and then the the, are,
2: the more obscure, like the original
0: Human Torch the original and Human things Torch like that, and the original yeah. Vision were like the only remnants of the old old school nineteen forties Marvel comics. And I think they had a different name to right? Some other comic, but yeah, the right. the idea is there that they've always been inclusive, right? DC Comics, on the other hand, though, what they were known for is buying properties, like Bob Kane and Detective Comics. He sold his his to DC. rights to DC, but he in exchange for saying, "Well, I get creation credit." for for a lot of the stories. Even though he was an artist, he didn't write the story. Bill Finger wrote the stories and there's a big controversy about that. Um, the same thing happened with Siegel and Schuster with Superman. Right. Is they and they got screwed big time and that's why their family's been trying to fight so hard for reparations from the company. Marvel has been a company that has a reputation for originating content and DC has become a company that's been known for compiling content. Uh, good content, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, they, right. they, they, they're they okay with the idea of t- there being lots of cooks in the kitchen, mm-hmm. which speaks to why I think all their films are kind of, pitch, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A hodgepodge, I think, is what I'm looking for.
1: Yeah.
2: To yeah, I, I have this intrinsic, because I look at the characters and I'm like, I, I, I intrinsically lean to the Avengers. I'm like, oh, the Avengers are cool, it makes sense, that team's together, but then if you look at it on paper, it's like, oh, the God of Thunder, a dude in armor... If Justice League makes just as much sense. You've got the Amazonian, you've got the guy from outer space, but there's there's something on a fundamental level as a fan where I intrinsically see the Avengers as a more right. believable, unified unit. Whereas I look at the the Justice League and I'm like I-, I would rather see Green Lantern on his own. I'd rather see him in Outer Space doing space battles, I'd mm-hmm. rather see uh Dark Knight Rises or, you know, Superman fighting right. Uh, doomsday
0: on the Moon or something like that. I don't feel like I need to see them together. Yeah. Well, all it's going to take is somebody with the right pitch and you mentioned Jeff Johns because Jeff Johns did in Blackest Night if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. yeah oh. he did in Blackest Night which was a, a seminal so good. Uh, Green Lantern story or a couple years ago and he is very popular in, in Marvel in, oh, sorry, not Marvel in DC and actually to make this even more pertinent, he's the chief creative officer now yep. of DC Entertainment. So he's the head honcho behind all... And he started as a fan. DC Properties, exactly. Right. He started yeah. writing fan
2: letters into Teen Titan comics. You can actually get issues from like the early 90s where he's writing in fan letters saying, I would do this and why can't the characters do that? And he ended up writing for the comics and oh. they gave him Green Lantern and he ended
0: up doing something amazing with it. Exactly. Um, like if anybody could do it, yep, he would be the brainchild for the right pitch. And he wouldn't necessarily be the one to execute it, but he would be the the enforcer he would get the right writers to pitch it and maybe even do kind of I think one of the reasons why you've got the Avengers work so well and even why the the Nolan Batman movies work so well is because they had people who were experienced with writing comic books telling the screenplays David S. Goyer is an experienced comic book writer who's written Batman stories as well before he even did the script for Batman Begins or did the outlines for those films and mm-hmm. Warner Brothers hasn't really been hot on picking comic book writers to do the content with the exception of Kevin Smith <laughs> writing a Superman script which didn't go through <laughs> right because right. they wanted right. a giant yeah. spider at the end exactly <laughs> yeah. that could be the monster <laughs> it's not it's a giant it's not Starro it's a giant spider it's <laughs> a giant mechanical spider <laughs> Hey, it worked
1: for Wild Wild West so why can't it work here Kryptonite webs <laughs> Kryptonite webs oh man <laughs> Oh, it just it's okay, is... but that just means that the Batwing can just go through and just cut through those webs. Yep. And Superman can just fly in. Yeah.
0: And then just when you think it's like they've gotten it beat, it like it grows new legs and then it goes into the water. And the Aquaman's <laughs> like, guys, I got Aquaman. this. Don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> sharks attack.
2: When I when I think about those characters, you know, something that I could see kind of working is like I don't think I could do an Aquaman movie. I don't. I just don't think, you know, getting a budget for it. You know, the CG required but i could see them doing it would be a gamble but what if they did episodic web content what if they introduced kind of the lesser known characters through web-based series warner brothers is a cool unique thing where 15 mini episodes introducing smaller characters and then when it comes to building a justice league you center it around batman wonder woman and superman and you have these other characters kind of existing you loop them into the story a little bit but if i need to know their background there's this cool one-off dvd that comes out later on down right. the line
0: of the year with all these many episodes put but together. It's all predicated on the fact that this is one continuity, like, right? Right. Even though the medium may change, it's still one massive like tapestry yep. that yep. you're you're weaving into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. How do you how do you bring? The,
2: I, I I personally I need. I need, like, five years before I see another Batman. Like, I, I, I don't want to see another actor put
0: the suit yeah, on. We, I just... we need time to really come to a place of closure and see other superheroes. I'm exhausted. We... In a good way, but I'm exhausted.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, you know, because yeah. you know, because everyone geared up to watch this third one, right? They're okay. like, oh, yeah, let's pop in the, the, the first one and then we'll watch Dark Knight and yeah. we'll get ready for it. So it's like you watch those and it's just, you watch that progression and then you finally see the very end and you get that final shot, spoiler uh, where he's flying out over the bay and he just happens to give that look, that little glance over at nothing. You don't know what he's looking at. But he's wearing the mask, he's got the cowl on, his eyes, and he just has like that look of, like, I accept this. Yeah. Like, that just yeah. acceptance of like what his fate is going to be, be it death, be it, you know, he gets rid of the Wayne Enterprises or, like, whatever the case may be. But, like, that is just, like, that's, for everybody that's watched that movie, like you said, yep. like, you just need to Decompress, and to see somebody like else pop into the suit, you know, two years down the road, is going to be like, uh, Uh, because then that person, whoever that is, is going to be held up to that standard, even though it's not even Nolan. Yeah, right. You know, Joe Schmo picked up a camera and said, "I'm going to do," you know, "I'm going to do a new Batman." That actor is going to be under such scrutiny because
2: they can hardly make it darker and edgier, (laughs) which is what they're doing with a lot of the reboots. You can't, you can't do it. It's (laughs) the darkness. It's black. (laughs) It's it's the it's the presentation. Yeah, I think it's the same thing with like James Bond. Like, I have very fond memories of the different actors. Um, like, my my is Roger Moore. Like, I loved Roger Moore. But you go back and watch those movies, and you're like, man, that's a rubber snake, or <laughs> that speedboat is clearly a toy. But then I look at Pierce Brosnan, and it's like, I enjoy both experiences, but I had to accept that they're just both very, very different worlds. Like, this Pierce Brosnan is not a continuation of Roger Moore, and, and, and we know that with these movies, but... I think about Michael Keaton and I, I loved those movies when I was a kid but the world that he existed in again it was a fantastical it was a theatrical mm-hmm. this Batman is real world this is like dude went crazy got some riot gear went out in the streets and started pummeling people like this is what this would actually look like <laughs> if this was happening in the real <laughs> if, world if a billionaire was that did anybody gone?
1: else find it a little hard to accept New York as Gotham in lieu of Chicago I, cause, I didn't cause, notice that actually yeah because they shot it in Chicago for the first two
0: and and that was they didn't do it in Chicago for no, the
1: second. No, in New York. for the they used New York for, dirt. and the only reason why it bothered me is because there were so many iconic buildings. Oh, so mm-hmm. like you're looking at the Chrysler Building or something, and you're like,
0: that's, well, it's Gotham. Gotham. It's, Goth- Gotham. it's Gotham. It's Gotham. God, oh. Well, Gotham is a nickname for New York. That was their right, subtextual right. way of saying. Like even originally when they created Gotham City, Gotham is oh, is like a nineteenth century surname. Right. For oh, you know, right. our nickname for New York City, so there was always kind of like their nod behind saying, "Oh, it's a it's a metropolis of some kind." Right. But you know, Gotham, you know, right. wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
2: Well, I love um, the I love the progression of like you watch Batman Begins and it's it's very uh, sound stages, like it's yeah. it's a cool looking city, but it's you get it in small chunks. This is Batman in an alley. This is Batman on top of a building, and then you get to the Dark Knight and they start playing with this is what he would actually look like on city streets, but at night, and then you get to the Dark Knight Rises and it's like. He's walking down the street in broad daylight wearing that gear. And the realness of it, it's just so in your face. Like, even seeing his eye makeup, like, you can see the crinkles in his mm-hmm. eyes because it's so
0: clear. Yeah. Um, and this is the first time I've ever seen, too, like, where they, 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 just a small little detail, but, like, where they, he pulled off the mask. No, and that, that, you They shot him without the
1: mask. Yeah. But we
0: were, and that was, like, one of my favorite moments of any of the Batman comics was always he'd be yeah. in the cave working. He'd just have the mask pulled back while he was working. And then he'd pull the mask yep. back on and go out back out there. And, like, they finally did that, and I got a little, I, got, I had a little bit of a, of a, of an nerdgasm, I got say.
2: One of my favorite scenes of Batman Begins is actually when he does take off the helmet, you actually never see his face. When he right. takes, first takes Rachel back to the cave. Yeah. And I love that scene, like, I wonder what he looks like. And then yes. I saw this movie,
1: I'm like, oh, it's yeah. awesome. Exactly. Why um, he didn't have the Clooney like, yeah.
0: residual, the Right, the one head. that looks like he had just spent a very, very long night with some, fighting with some rock stars. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
1: Um. Or the Keaton thing, where like he's about to take it off for Catwoman, and like in one shot he's got the dark makeup around his eyes, and it's gone, and then it cuts <laughs> back to him, and then
0: it's gone, and he just goes. Yeah. I almost feel like if they were to do this, if there would, if there's really any possibility of there being a Justice League movie, Batman would have to be almost be the last character they yeah. introduce, because of which we need the space to to mm. get used to to really be able to be accepting another, another actor, because you couldn't get Christian Bale. To do the part again. One, because of how deeply entrenched he is in no one's vision of Batman, but also just he wouldn't fit. You know, like, yeah, one of the grapes I will say about no one's movie is that it's too real. I feel like, not, not that it doesn't make it plausible and awesome, but like, you're looking at Gotham City, Gotham City, in every version I've seen in comic books, uh, and even into, say, what you will about the Joel, Joel Schumacher movies, Gotham looked like Goth- what I thought Gotham City looked like. Very awesome. art deco, right? Very yeah. art deco, very... But lost a little hints of this is this is an old city. There's like there's old sculptures. There's old yeah. you know gargoyles. There's not a fucking gargoyle in any of those Batman movies. And that's one of, like you want your gargoyle exactly. <laughs> I want my goddamn gargoyle. Anyway. I want Batman perched on like a big tower next to a gargoyle, almost making conversation with the thing. It's like what's up. Oh.
2: <laughs> there's there's something to be said though that that shot in the new movie when he's grabbing onto I don't know what it is, a cell tower or whatever and he's looking over the city in daylight right. and you see him pan around from the back. There's just
0: something about seeing him like in the real world looking sure. like that that just hits home for me. Sure. And I think it hits home for a lot of people too because it does make it real. Right. The right. character goes out of comics and it's like, oh shit, this is this is happening. <laughs> yeah. Which
1: and- is what I think his progression was, right? Like the first one was very if you think about it, and it's even like with color tone, right? Yeah. It was like that very like bronzy Yeah orangey kind of color. And it felt very comic booky. Yeah. Like there was very much it, it, like not so much like on the Spider Man scale with like Raimi's like Everything's bright and vibrant. Like, this was very, like, I'm dark, but I'm still within the pages. Yep. And then you get into the dark night, and then that was just, like, well, I'm going to shatter that illusion. Now it's, like, this, like, really cold, like, blue, and it's very gritty and very real. And then this, this had no filter on it, and I was kind of surprised, because I was expecting, like, but it was, like, this gray filter, and that gray filter was very much just, like, yeah, it gave you, like, that even more, like, realistic point of view of it. Like, when they go into the stadium... Like right before they blow everything up, no, no, it was after they blow everything up, and then they kill that thing. It was just like, I, I, I feel bad for those yeah. people. They they are so effed. <laughs> exactly. the, the city,
2: the city progressively gets, uh, it gets larger and larger. And there were so many daylight shots in this movie. There was so much yeah. Batman during the day that it just felt the the scale of the city felt so much larger, mm. and so the sewers and uh, the exile area. Yeah. That that for me was just. Wow, there's water. There's water, and Batman is there, and flying out over the bay and everything. It just
0: felt so worldly. The yeah, amount of different totally. areas that existed in the city. Totally, and the first time we've ever seen. Really, since like Adam West, the first time we've ever really seen Batman in broad daylight. Yep. Too mm-hmm. like Batman. Ever since the seventies, we're like, no, night. He's a creature of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was a necessity, obviously. Like, you couldn't... <laughs> Do you notice that with Spider-Man? The Amazing
2: Spider-Man was all night. There was no more daytime Spider-Man this time around. I agree, and I think that's what works so well about it, too. Yeah. Because, you know, superheroes... Uh, he, didn't jo- he didn't pop down in broad daylight to get his hot dog and then go
1: back up at the top exactly, of the building. Exactly,
0: the, the, <laughs> the, In the comic books, Spider-Man is very much a daytime character. Yeah. It really yeah. exists in both time time areas, but... Um,
1: well, I yeah. think with the Spider-Man character, to digress a bit, like, that reboot, while the origin story probably didn't need to be retold... I was telling Brian this when we saw it. Like, it felt very much like Batman Begins, where it was like, okay, we have all this, we have all this exposition that we need to get through right. because there's another story that we want to tell, and this is just all this is just us setting up the dominoes for it. Because even the tag at the very end, where you know the Doctor Connors is in the whatever hospital or a sane asylum, whatever, and then there's that mysterious person. It's like, okay, there's a grander story that they wanted like try right. to to expand on, and so. We're gonna make it dark and gritty, but we're gonna really pull our punches because we yeah. don't want to reveal our hand yet. Yeah, exactly. Which is something Nolan heavily avoided. Like he, the first two movies
2: are very solidified. You could watch those in any order you want, and you
1: you'd probably feel comfortable mm-hmm. with the experience. Yeah, I don't think you can do that with this third one. This really third one, see... you really need to have watched the first... At least the first it's one. It's very entrenched in Batman Begins.
0: Yeah. And the second one is... There's definitely elements of it. I mean, the opening shot is like, okay, this ends like right after the... like this, right? You're just at the funeral. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's almost like they, they, they took the scene from when they were shooting Dark Knight and just clopped it in.
1: And I gotta say, I love the cutbacks. Oh, like, yeah. the, the flashbacks. When Gordon
2: they, they... is reading and he has... I was actually frightened of Two-Face which I it was a fear I didn't fear feel in the dark night but when you cut back and you see him screaming but it's quiet it's just like he looks awful good job (laughs) (laughs) you did a great job but it's CGI he is
0: horrifying absolutely yeah and then Good thing they did it CG because if they'd done that with makeup, it, I don't think the effect would have yeah. quite been the same. Of, like like Tom Jones <laughs> yeah, exactly. With, 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 the, with the fuchsia mohawk. Because scarring
2: does that. Getting lit half on fire will do that too. It'll turn you purple and give you big lips <laughs> and, and give you
1: white hair, hair, hair and, and, flamboyant fashion. Yeah, sense yeah. Too. you yeah. said and do the original like like animated
0: series where it was like a black and white suit. and Yeah, it was very yeah. It was uh, Dent side was black suit, white shirt, black tie. And it was the inverse of that for Two-Face. And that was the first one where like they had presented, God, Paul Dini just being a genius. Like he, he repurposed so many of those villains yep. and gave them validity. It, it, Harvey Dent, uh, Two-Face was always Harvey Dent getting acid spilled on him and that experience drove him insane. Paul Dini's take on Two-Face was always, oh, there was something there. Uh, this, yeah. this, this experience just brought it out, but mm-hmm. there was always that other personality was just lurking in the
2: darkness. Um, Long Halloween again if, if yeah. you read that book you actually see the uh, his psychosis is heavily perpetuated by the Joker and the Joker consistently coming into his life and that was something that happened in Dark Knight a, a little bit with the hospital yeah. scene and giving him the gun and,
0: and kind of pushing him over the edge exactly um, so guys I have to ask then final call because we haven't come to a conclusion yet what do you guys think? Uh, I think they will have to have a
1: v- a really good story to bring everybody together right. and make it worldly because I think they've kind of painted themselves into a corner, all comic book movies, where I don't think you can do outlandish anymore. It has to somehow have some semblance of reality. So some if they can, if if it, they yeah. can right. find that, yeah. then maybe. But even then, it's a very like slight yeah. maybe because um, there's just a lot of fantastical elements that I think right. can't work.
2: I, um, I don't think I need to see it. Uh, I think it'd be cool if it happens, but I I don't want what they did with the Avengers to become a trend where you just keep putting more and more and more into it. Like, Joss Whedon hit it out of the park. Like, he nailed it, but it was a very difficult task. And I even have fears about Avengers 2. Well, what's it going to be? The same cast plus Ant-Man plus Black Panther? Like, you can't keep stacking on and with with something like Justice League I don't I don't feel like I need to see those characters come together right now. Right. Maybe maybe Superman, maybe Zack Snyder will do something incredible with Superman that will make me go wow, this this is a cool world with Superman. What would what would the Wonder Woman of this world look like? What would the what would the Aquaman of this world look like?
0: <laughs> right. But I have to and, wait and see. And that's to say nothing of the other characters like you could almost I feel like uh, you know, because the original Justice League is so large. You know, I think there's like there's eight original members. I mean, we know about Batman, yeah. Superman, One Woman, uh, Green Lantern, of course. We haven't even talked about the Flash. The yeah, Flash is a big character who has yet to be done in film. and would be an awesome character to see on and film.
2: Where do you start? Wally West. I mean, Barry the, Allen. I'm sure, Barry but, Allen. but
0: well, he's now the, the right. he's now the current Flash again, right? that
2: that's probably another thing with those heroes too like a lot of these heroes have gone through a couple of different incarnations right like Bar- there's been three different flashes two different flashes and several different green lanterns right. several different and aquaman has kind of been replaced here and there by aqualad so right there the history is is already like where do I pick exactly, and choose exactly peter parker yeah. spider-man that doesn't change even even when you have like 10,000 clones peter parker is always yeah. spider-man <laughs> with,
0: with, with the exception i think of the recent uh, miles morales yeah miles which morales. i think is,
2: is great but that's another story yeah. altogether
0: um yeah, I think it would take um, a lot of editing. Like you would have to, you have to really hone it down to maybe six at the most, yeah. um, and really find ways to make them work. Like you have to find a really interesting take on Aquaman. You know, I mean, the only thing I could think of is making him political and saying, "Well, he—he's trying to prevent pollution. He's trying to stop pollution." You know. Um, so you're saying James? And like, it's like and, he's an eco-warrior. Yeah, right? he's an <laughs> eco-warrior. And like somehow you find out Lex has is right. dumping sludge into the ocean or something like that. Very Captain Planet-ish. Um, that's fish. a movie that's getting made. <laughs> you know, you know, would be cool. <laughs> what,
2: what if they did it? What if they kind of did what Iron Man did, but from a different perspective? What if the first Justice League movie was just Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman? And just the, like the trinity yeah the ending of that movie is them deciding they need to formulate a team and then you've got these cool little clips at the end with Batman in, in Star City looking down a green arrow shooting off an arrow and Superman kind of hovering by as Green Lantern lifts a flaming school bus out of you know out of the fire <laughs> I mean,
1: they become the
0: recruiters right. yeah. and
2: that's it they're the recruiters and that's, that's how that first movie
0: ends that would be yeah. cool yeah the recruiter bit would be kind of interesting that would be a good spin on it yeah um kind of a nod almost to X-Men First Class when you have Xavier and...
1: Right. Uh, I think it'd be Lenge. even better if you kind of, like, already established that the three of them are working together. So instead of doing, like, an origin story of, like, Batman and Superman and the Wonder Woman, right. just have it just start off where, like, they already have a pseudo kind of partnership. Right, And they're right. working right. together. A rough relationship. Right. I mean, well, mm-hmm. so,
0: so there you go. There's your first concept. We had... You really... It would start within the World's Finest movie. A movie that would somehow... What fans it's are Great title for it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, because the fans, for those who know World's Finest, whenever you say that, you immediately think of the team-ups between Batman and Superman. Um, and what it really that's what it would take, is it would take one story that would actually get those two guys to come together. Um, and then you can start working on the other forces mm-hmm. to it, and it, slowly kind of build it up. Um, and it would take... The thing is, it's probably not going to happen for... It would take at least another seven years yep. for it to... Because it took... From Iron Man to to Avengers, it took four. But we're not leaving any time for you no know, two. Was it really only four? It was four years from 08 to to. to 2012. Feels like an eternity. Well, plus yeah. all
1: the pre-production that they yeah like, did for,
0: exactly all the development they have done. It would take that plus in a couple of years for us to just, to catch our breaths from getting used to another getting used to another, a new guy being in the bat suit. Um, if we had to choose, since we're talking about it, mm-hmm. so now
1: that Christian Bale is done, he's out. Mm-hmm. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt aside, because that's not going to happen. Yeah. At least not with no one behind the camera. Right. Who would be a suitable replacement for to, Batman? Be, to be Batman? I
0: I think I will... George is, Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> Batman Beyond, sorry, <laughs> George Clooney. He needs a second chance. <laughs> and uh, Zach Efron. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, with Guy <Ty laughs> Black um, here. Uh, to be really honest with you, I think they would have to go the same route again and go with an unknown. Yep. They'd have to go... Or a very unlikely choice who just nailed the shit out of that audition. But I think an unknown would be the way to go. Zach <laughs> Yeah, we want, our, we want our Batman to be... Um, There's your Charlie. Aquaman right there. <laughs> just, just bleach him. Just bleach Zach Graff. That'd be funny. Yeah. The guy cracking jokes. Then <laughs> when you're on the ocean, you, know, you learn to develop a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this has been interesting, guys. Uh, I think this is definitely a conversation that will be continued at one point in time. But, um... Thank you guys for listening to us, babble for our uh, first episode of Nerds on Film. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Nerdonomy and on our website at nerdonomy.com. Thank you for listening and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Bye.